Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Howdy and welcome to the Leicester City are the Premier League Champions edition of Wiki Shuffle. Episode what? Number 70. Episode 70? Ooh, how about that? To celebrate the 70th episode, Leicester City have become Premier League Champions. What do you think about that, Phil? Is that why they did it? That's why they did it. Oh, it's very good. That's nice of them, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, there's there's no shortage of talk around the country about this magnificent feat. You're trying to say that we should not talk about it? No, because we've been there since the beginning. Not only have Leicester City won the title, but Radiohead are releasing an album today. They're my favourite band in the world. I've been on holiday. It was beautifully sunny every single day. It's just great. I'm just having a whale of a time. I'm like, enjoying life. I think I'm genuinely happy for the first time in about 20 no. years. 20 years. Ah. Nothing can bring me down, even sitting with you two chumps in this wow. room on such a beautifully sunny day. Even that can't bring me down. We'll see what we can do about that. Go on, introduce us all then. Uh, yeah, I'm Jack, aren't I? And here's Phil. Oh. And here's Chris. Hello. Dilly ding, dilly dong. Chris, dilly ding. Sure. No, when <laughs> I say dilly, you say ding. All right. Dilly. Ding. When I say dong, well, no, wait, when <laughs> I say dilly again, you say dong. Dilly. Dilly. No. <laughs> dilly ding, dilly dong. Dilly. Dilly. <laughs> you don't ever say dilly. You never say dilly. Don't right, be silly. Okay, dilly ding, dilly dong. All right, okay. Ding dong. Yeah, dilly. like a doorbell. No, I say dilly. <laughs> when I say dilly, you say dong. Dilly. Dong. No, I mean it's ding first. I forgot. <laughs> when I say dilly, you say ding. You know what? It's not worth it. Okay. <laughs> dilly ding, dilly dong. Let's start wiki shuffling. What's what's wiki shuffling, uh, Chris? Oh, it's when we press the random article button on Wikipedia and dilly dong. <laughs> Nepenthes Jamban. Nepenthes Jamban. Sounds like a dance. Are you doing a Jamaican accent there? Indonesian, that was. Was it? Yeah, because this is an Indonesian thing. Nepenthes Jamban is a tropical pitcher plant endemic to northern Sumatra. The specific epithet, Jamban, is Indonesian for the word toilet. Oh, toilet plant. And refers to the shape of the pitchers. Toilet plants is exactly right. Oh my god, yeah. And you look at the picture. That's amazing. They are literally toilets. <laughs> but what if you if what if you tried to piss in one and it turned out it was like a Venus flycatcher? Ooh. Do you piss by dunking your penis into the bowl? <laughs> <laughs> All the way down. Don't you? <laughs> no, but there might might something might spring out. It's even got a little U bend. It has. It does look exactly like a toilet to the point where it's got a seat on it and everything. But don't mm-hmm. sit on it. But don't sit on it. Because I'm sure there's a reason for it being a toilet. Let's find out by reading the Wikipedia article. (laughs) Rather than just speculating. (laughs) Yeah. The answers are all here. 
Nepenthes Jamban was discovered during a series of field trips to Sumatra between 2004 and 2005. How the hell is that possible? That this plant that looks exactly like a toilet wasn't discovered until 2004? Because it's in deepest, so darkest Sumatra? And there's so many things. There's loads of stuff that hasn't been uncovered. Like the Yeti. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm not going to go down that road today. No, please don't. But there's loads of stuff. Like there's spiders and stuff people don't know about yet. How do you know? Because you haven't met them. That's the definition of how you don't know. They haven't been discovered yet, though. But how do you know mm. they're there if you haven't discovered them? I'm just, I'm just presuming that they're there. Nepenthe jamban is a climbing plant. The stem, which is usually less than five millimetres thick, grows to four metres in length and is cylindrical angular in cross-section. Internodes are up to five centimetres long. What's an internode? I don't know. This has a lot of words that I've never heard before. These are my favourite type of articles that we do on this podcast because we will discuss things like internodes. Mm. One of us will say, what does that mean? One of us will say, I don't know. And that's it. No further research. The answers are all right at our fingertips, <laughs> but we're just too lazy. The whole point of this podcast is let's look at interesting things on Wikipedia and learn stuff. And that'll be fun. But nobody learns anything. No, we just, we just talk it about animals with jobs. And then assume. <laughs> I'm going to guess an internode, five centimetres long. It's like the plant's fingers. It is not. <laughs> Plants like, don't have fingers. I understand what you mean. The, yeah. the like the last bit of the branch. Okay. Yeah, but it's not that. The <laughs> internode is the distance along the stem between right. two sets of branches happening. So where the leaves come okay. out on the main stem, the internode is that distance in between. Phil, you should when Chris Packham. Um, passes away you should you should present Springwatch. I think he's only like five years older than me I'll only get five years of Chris Packerming in pack him up pack him in let me begin <laughs> <laughs> you think that's what he's going to get played at his funeral that's what he sings as he's about to enter a woman <laughs> I stole that joke from Twitter but I like it <laughs> you're right there are a lot of words here that we could educate our listeners on but I'm not Let's sure not. we're going to go we've, we've talked them about internodes little, little yeah. step by step unless you're actually looking to go into botany in which case this isn't the r- route of entry you should take exactly and I mean, this, like we said before this isn't an educational podcast what we'll do we'll skim through it and we'll just fill in the gaps to the best of our ability <laughs> and then just don't treat it as fact it's just a thing oh you might know so if someone asks you a question about an internode you might be able to say oh I think I know what that means but we'll leave it into our next flower or plant article to explain what tendrils are Leaves are sessile. Oh, God. We'll find out in the future. And coriaceous in texture. We're not going to tell you what that means. Look at if you care that much. You have the same resources we do. Well, just guess. I'm going to say squashy and nice. I think it just means that the leaves are very cromulent. The lamina may be narrowly obovate to elliptic or slightly spatulate and grows to 11 centimetres in length and 3.3 centimetres in width. One or two longitudinal veins are present on either side of the midrib together with numerous pinnate veins. Tendrils are up to 24 centimetres long. But we don't really care about the leaves. What we care about is the basin element that looks exactly like a toilet. The upper pitchers are circular in cross-section and widely infundibular. (laughs) I'm widely infundibular about this plant. How about you? They are much larger than lower pitchers, reaching 12 centimetres in height and 5.2 centimetres in width. They're not as big as I thought. How big did you think? Big. You're doing a motion of much bigger than an actual toilet there. I thought it was like to catch tigers. No, not tigers. Like small <laughs> bears. So not tigers, that's ridiculous, right. but small bears is fine. When you realise you're being ridiculous and you scale yourself back, you have to go further back. Much further. You are self-aware enough to know that you're wrong, 
but you're not self-aware enough to know how wrong you are. Really? Can you judge, looking at that picture, if no one gave you the facts, how big it would be? But about, yeah, about that I big. Can... What made you think that? Because it just looks about that big. Well, how you can that, see... that big? Well, no, because how would that tiny little stem support that weight? It's full of water. It would just tip over. Nature is lovely and big and weird. So you don't know. I'm sure this is bigger. You get bigger ones. There's not a five-foot toilet flower. Why not? Well, for starters, we've been reading out all of the measurements. Well, it's just not been discovered yet. 12 centimetres. Maybe they're all hanging out with those mystery spiders. There are some bigger animal-eating plants. Yeah, small bears. No. (laughs) There's some that can, like, get mice. There's nothing that can get small bears. Zoologists, right in. The picture mouth is horizontal and orbicular. The inner surface on the picture is wholly glandular. Wings are reduced to ribs that run down the front of the picture. In aerial pictures, the flattened peristome is up to six millimetres wide and bears more prominent teeth. Bears more prominent teeth. Yeah. There's two things there. It's got teeth. And there's bears. And there's bears involved. So you was right. I'm sorry, Chris. Okay, thank you. The teeth are under one millimetre long. Very small teeth. Very small. But there's lots of them. Because if you've got a lot of really small teeth, that can do the same amount of damage as one big one. It's not that kind of tooth. <gasps> oh. If you look at the picture on the right, the teeth are just those spiky bits around the well, side. Yeah. They're not providing any tooth function at all. Yeah, I suppose. It's just a spike, really. Most parts of the plant are glabrous. Ooh, glabrous. Keep listening into the future and one day we'll explain what glabrous means. Glabrous is smooth, hairless or bald. No, we said we weren't going to do that. I'm doing it right now because it's an easy one. Okay, smooth, smooth and hairless. hairless or bald. Yeah. The antonym is hirsute. Oh. Phil, you are the opposite of glabrous. So when I meet my nemesis, when my evil twin is discovered, mm-hmm. he will be entirely glabrous. He will be as glabrous as possible. I feel as though I'm going to be able to get use out of that word in the future. I'm glad that we've learnt it. Mm. They don't all look like toilets. Those ones down there look like condoms. They do as well. Don't they? <laughs> it looks like a condom that's been full. It has been filled it, by many men. Yeah. <laughs> that one's not a jamban, though. That's a lingulata. Oh. It's just been pictured next to a, a jamban. Oh, okay. They do toilet look very plants. dodgy together, though, don't they? They look like a... They look very sexual. But flowers do. That's what they are. What you're basically looking at in a flower is a sex organ. And Mm. when you've got pollen, that's just... Sex dirt. Sex Sex dirt. dirt. I've never had it called out before. Floaty sex dirt. It's floaty sex dirt. That's that's what's making me sneeze. Damn you, floaty sex dirt. The pictures of the jamban function not only as pitfall traps, but also as flypaper traps with the sticky inner walls trapping flying insects above the surface of the fluid. Ah, so it uses its stickiness to lure them in and then they fall into its toilet bowl. Sort of like your dating technique. And then they're just, they're just there and the plant sort of gets all the nutrients from them. The upper pictures of Enjamban have been noted for trapping many large prey items. Bears. Nope. Such as wasps. Ah. Uh. And crickets, and relatively few small, small animals. animals. Small bears. No. Well, you know, it doesn't say small animals. That could mean anything. What is the smallest bear? There must be a bear that's really small. Koala. A koala is quite, is quite not, small. A koala isn't a bear. It's called koala, koala bear. bear. Yes, but it isn't a bear. But it's a type of bear. No, it's not. Yeah, they look like bears. You know. Yeah, but they're not bears. And they've all got chlamydia, haven't they? What? <laughs> Yeah, I think that's another fact. I think all koalas... all koalas have chlamydia. Is that how humans got chlamydia? I don't know. Someone but fucked a koala. They are cute. They, I've just heard that they all have chlamydia. 
You're not allowed to touch them too I, much. I'm not looking this up. If you want us to believe this, can you okay. cite a reference, please? Okay, yeah, it's not a bear, it's a marsupial. It's definitely so not a bear. So why call it a koala bear? Oh, okay, it says it inaccurately runs. it's called a koala bear. Exactly, it's not a bear. I held a koala bear once. Oh, While we're doing koala bear facts, their fingerprints are exactly like yeah. human fingerprints. The iconic Australian koala may appear innocent and cuddly, but its dark secret could hold the key to tackling sexually transmitted diseases amongst humans. Mm. Up to 70% of koalas are infected with chlamydia, a major cause of poor health and even death for the species in Queensland and New South Wales. Wow. They're all riddled. The sun bear is a bear found in tropical forests, habitats of Southeast Asia. The sun bear um, is the most violent bear in the entire world, and it rips people apart if you, it, if you fuck with it. it. Look at it. Seriously, tub. it looks cute. I've seen videos on YouTube of it going after humans, and it destroys them. It's a, it's a, it's a honey bear. Are you sure you're not talking about a honey badger? No, no, not a honey badger, no. Sun bear. See, now, now. We are actually teaching the listeners things. We are. The sun bear is known to be exceptionally aggressive and will attack without cause. Uh, Having such large canines, extremely strong jaws and long claws, it is said to be one of the most dangerous animals to encounter in the world. Wow. So it's a good job that plant gets them. The sun bear is the smallest of the bears. Adults are about 120 to 150 centimetres long and weigh 27 to 80 kilograms. So that's the smallest bear is the sun bear. And how big did you say 150 centimetres? Yeah. That plant could have that. No, it it couldn't. Yeah, it could. Of course it could. 150 centimetres, that's nothing. What are you doing? That's, well, not, that's not 150 centimetres. That's like... I get, that's right, like about 75. I no, I struggle with like this. So I have to do everything by 30 centimetre rulers. Okay. <laughs> In my head. Can so you, not, fit, can you not imagine a one metre ruler? Oh, it's much bigger than I said. Yes, yeah. it's much bigger than you said. And even what you said was way too big for this plant. <laughs> oh, maybe I've done it wrong. Oh, do you not do this? Like 30 centimetre rulers. So if you imagine a big number, say 200, you do... That gives you a rough idea of... I understand, yeah. 12 inch. But you've just, you've saved me there, because rather than doing that, I'll just imagine a one metre one, and I can half my job. You've (laughs) never considered that you... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, there we go. You've saved me like 50% of my time. A rather tall person, not an obscenely tall person, but a rather tall person is two metres. I'm 1.85. So yeah, a very tall person is two metres, because you're um, tall. Yeah, you need to be seven foot. Yeah, so a very tall Over person. Seven, yeah, I, that's not specific enough. So, like, if someone says how this building is, how big it is, I struggle with feet. So, I think six foot is roughly a person. So, that yeah. big tower is like loads of people. So, that's that's it's roughly, a good system you've yeah, got going on just there. Like loads of people on top of each other. Like the Burj Khalifa, that really tall tower, that's like a lot of people. <laughs> I can't, I, I'd have to do some maths to work out how many people we will uh-huh. be. So yeah. I'm not going to do that. Your system's falling down a little bit as a means of a. Luckily, <laughs> of no, one, no one asks me to just sort of roughly think how big towers are. So I think there's a good chance they won't as well. It's a good job, it's not my job. It's a good job you've got a job. <laughs> H.L. Hunt. Haroldson Lafayette H.L. Hunt Jr. February 17th, 1889 to November 29th, 1974, known throughout his life as H.L. Hunt, was a Texas oil tycoon and conservative Republican political activist. Anybody with an oil tycoon who is a Republican Texan, I think it sounds like Foghorn Leghorn. Ah, <laughs> oh, sorry, ah, oh, sorry. I can't even think of anything else. Yeah, no, true. And this gives us, I'd say, a fairly legitimate reason to discuss Donald Trump. I suppose it does. Shoehorning a little bit. But um, what I read as, you know, obviously conservative Republican, 
political activist and oil tycoon, I think cunt. So that's mm. how I've got to Donald Trump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Conservative Republican, that's a bit of an oxymoron, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> that goes yeah. without saying. But they love him. Maybe people love him. My nan loves him because she watched, um, watches The Apprentice USA and says that he's really funny. So she would vote for him. And this is what's going to happen with Boris Johnson in this country as well. Yeah. Oh, he's funny, isn't he? He'd be great. Let's vote for him. He's a laugh. <laughs> Not everyone that is a laugh is good. That's right. You don't want me in charge of anything. We, we, we really don't. We, we've established that. You know what I'd do if I had power? Run amok. Anyway, H.L. Hunt. By trading poker winnings for oil rights, he ultimately secured title to much of the East Texas oil field, one of the world's largest oil deposits. From it and his other acquisitions, he accrued a fortune that was among the world's largest. At the time of his death, he was reputed to have the highest net worth of any individual in the world. Imagine losing your oil field in a game of poker. That's a bad night. That's a really bad night. You've it's got a like, problem. It's like a yeah. Pontins when we tried to, well, when I tried to win all those teddies, and it didn't work out. Yeah, but you were using but, 50 pences. Yeah, yeah, it's a scale down. We talked you, about scale. We, <laughs> and your inability to <laughs> properly reference it, yeah. But it's a very similar thing. You kept your, your land rights well, well in your pocket, though, didn't you? While mm. trying to do that, you were sensible about that. You didn't gamble those away. No, didn't gamble any land rights away. You know that scene in Father Ted when Ted's trying to teach Dougal <laughs> about whether the cows are close by or far away? That's basically this podcast. So this guy, at the time of his death, which was 1974, he was the richest man in the world. I've never heard of him before. No, me neither. He looks very shocked in his picture. And he doesn't have one of those big hats on, though. I'm a bit disappointed in that. That's another thing I imagine. Big hat. I know what a big hat is. You don't need to do a... I was showing you how big. Yep, okay. (laughs) And how big is that? (laughs) About 10 gallons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and one of those... Like Southern gentleman tie things. What are they? Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm disappointed in his picture. He's wearing a bow tie, not yeah. one of like those. Like Colonel Sanders. Shoelace. Yeah, it's like a yeah. shoelacy thing. Bolo tie. Bolo. It's a type of necktie consisting of a piece of cord or braided leather with decorative metal tips called aglets secured with an ornamental clasp or slide. Aglet. That is also the thing on the end of shoelaces. Mmm. The little plastic Do casing. Do you know how I learned that? Off a song on Phineas and Ferb, the kids' TV show. <laughs> His personal life, which featured many children by three wives, was among the chief inspirations for the television series Dallas, whose character J.R. Ewing was largely based on popular perceptions of Hunt. That's sort of why I was thinking of the hat. Ah, it's got an 80s TV connection, so now you're well on board, eh, Chris? Yeah, I've got it now. Hunt was born near Ramsey in Carson Township, Fayette County, Illinois. The youngest of eight children, he was named after his father, Haroldson Lafayette Hunt, who was a prosperous farmer entrepreneur. Hunt was educated at home. As a teenager, Hunt travelled to various places before settling in Arkansas, where he was running a cotton plantation by 1912. There we go. He's badden, isn't he? He's badden. Probably wasn't actually employing slaves in 1912. He had a reputation as a math prodigy and was a gambler. It was said that after his cotton plantation was flooded, he turned his last $100 into more than $100,000 gambling in New Orleans. With his winnings, he purchased oil properties in the neighbourhood of El Dorado, Arkansas. Oh, another 80s programme. He was generous to his employees, who in turn were loyal to him, Mm. informing him of rumours of a massive oil field to the south in East Texas, the East Texas oil field. Imaginatively titled. In negotiations over cheese and crackers, at the Adolphus Hotel in Dallas. Great detail. Unnecessary, but nice. It is. 
with the charlatan who discovered the field, Dad Joyner, Hunt secured title to what was then the largest known oil deposit in the world, having agreed to pay only $1 million and protect Mr. Joyner from his liability for many fraudulent transactions surrounding the property. In 1957, Fortune estimated that Hunt had a fortune of between $400 million and $700 million, which is the equivalent of $4.5 billion adjusted for inflation in 2011. And was one of the eight richest people in the United States. J. Paul Getty, who was considered at the time to be the richest private citizen in the world, said of Hunt, In terms of extraordinary independent wealth, there is only one man. Hunt had 15 children wow. by three wives. That's got to be time consuming. Well, I mean, for the wives, yeah. For him, not necessarily. Well, I'm thinking purely... For 15 minutes you could get that done in. I'm thinking purely in terms of remembering all their names. Oh, okay, yeah, that would be a pickle. He married Lydda Bunker of Lake Village, Arkansas in November 1914 and remained married to her until her death in 1955. His seven children by her were Margaret, Haroldson, Caroline... Caroline's still alive. Well done, Caroline. Lydda, Nelson Bunker... (laughs) (laughs) William Herbert and Lamar... Nelson Bunker Hunt went on to be a racehorse owner, and also he was in the uh, oil and mining business. But he's dead now too, so there you go. It always amazes me that Nelson has never become a more popular first name for people. When you think of the people associated with the name, Nelson Mandela in particular, but also yeah. Nelson... Muntz. From The Simpsons. Well, that's it. I think that's what's done it. I think that might be it. I think that specifically, because of Nelson and The Simpsons, no one will name their child Nelson. You've got, got, automatically, you've got the best nickname for your penis ever. Nelson's Cullum. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. It's perfect. It was a good name as well. Lamar was the other child. Not Lamar. From Fame Academy. I don't think from Fame Academy. No, I've looked at a picture of him. Definitely not the one from Fame Academy. His first son, Hassie, who was expected to succeed him in control of the family business, was lobotomised in response to increasingly erratic behaviour. Lamar, who founded the American Football League and created the Super Bowl. Whoa. Whoa. That's pretty impressive. That's very impressive. Mm. Drawing on the assistance of his children in selecting the game's name. So it's their fault that we get the fucking superb owl meme on Twitter every year. I didn't even know that was a thing. Superb owl. We got it. I understand yeah, how we, we got it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Every year. Two other children, William and Bunker, are famous for their purchasing much of the world's silver in an attempt to corner the market. That is how you do it. Oh, rich people problems. <laughs> <laughs> they ultimately owned more silver than any government in the world before their scheme was discovered and undone. This is the plot to a James Bond film in the 1960s, isn't All it? All of the silver. Bunker Hunt was briefly one of the wealthiest men in the world, having discovered and taken title to the Libyan oil fields before Muammar Gaddafi nationalised the properties. While still married to Lydda, H.L. Hunt is said to have married Frania Ty of Tampa, Florida in November 1925 using the name Franklin Hunt. Frania claims to have discovered the bigamous nature of her marriage in 1934, nine years later, and in a legal settlement in 1941, Hunt created trust funds for each of their four children, and she signed a document stipulating that no legal marriage between them had ever existed. Oh, rich people problems. About the same time, she briefly married, then divorced Hunt's employee, John Lee, taking the last name Lee for herself and her four children. Her four children by, by Hunt were Howard, Haroldina. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Haroldina. No way. 
that that can't be real, Haroldina. <laughs> Haroldina, which is which is pretty rubbish. It's, it's, it's already got a son called Haroldson, and now Haroldina as well. Haroldina. Well, we already talked about the problem of remembering all of their names. If you oh, give them all is, yeah. names that are effectively the same, makes that job a lot easier. I don't think it does. I think it makes it more difficult. You can just like trying to remember all the Lannisters' names on. Game of Thrones. So her four children by Hunt were Howard, Haroldina, Helen, and Hugh. And Huey, Dewey, and Louie. <laughs> Hunt supported and had children by Ruth Ray of Shreveport, Louisiana, whom he met while she was a secretary in his Shreveport office. They married in 1957, after the death of Hunt's wife, Lydda. Well, that's good. At least he waited. Hmm. His four children by her were Ray, June, Helen and Swanee. His youngest son, Ray Lee, ultimately inherited the business and was a major supporter of President George W. Bush. Hmm. Yeah, of course he was. Hey, do you want to know something terrifying about American politics? Go on. Do you know what month it is right now? May. It is May. Do you know when the American election is? November. Yep. We've got half a year of this shit to go. On top of the two years we've already had. Yeah. Jesus Christ. And it's going to end up with Trump winning. It's not going to end up with Trump winning. I, yeah, I was thinking that, but what if he does? Thanks for listening to episode 70 of Wiki Shuffle. Leicester City are the champions of the Premier League. There's a Radiohead album out by the time this episode is out. That's a treat. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday this week. All Eurovision. Happy Eurovision week, listeners. What else have we got to look forward to, Phil? Oh, a guest special? Oh, we've got a guest special! I forgot, because we've recorded these out of sequence, which is confusing for everybody, especially us. So yesterday we had the wonderful Stacey Taylor from Stacey's Pop Culture Parlour podcast come and visit us from the world of Birmingham. And we recorded two bonus episodes for May, the first of which is coming out on Friday, and the next of which will come out the following Friday, where we talk about some articles that she brought along with her. And, spoiler alert, Chris devised a game show. Yes, I did. The most insane thing I've ever seen in my life. What's game show called? Give the listeners a little sneak peek. Well, at first you called it Chris's Game. Yeah. (laughs) But then on, on the actual game board... Spindale's Wheel. Spindale's Wheel. That's all we'll say for now. Mm-hmm. But if you want to listen to Spindale's Wheel, yeah. tune in on Friday. Anything else? I haven't got anything else to do. I haven't really been doing anything. My grandma died. Bye bye, oh, Lay. Phil. That's, you didn't even uh, say. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. She was, she was going for a while and she was 96. But I'll give her a little, a little podcast obituary. Bye bye, Elaine Lloyd. That's not an mm. obituary. <laughs> bye bye. Is that, is that all she gets? <laughs> Come on. That's, Pour your heart that's out. That's enough. And the people don't want to listen to that. It's it's fine. Okay, all right. It's fine. Chris, you've been doing some fun stuff, though. Fun. It's not fun. What I've been you, doing stuff. What have you been doing? I moved house. Moved town. Moved whole town. Moved whole you, town. Have, you have ditched Northamptonshire oh, yeah. to move to the very posh market Harborough in Leicester. In Leicestershire. Probably, it's, oh, around the time they won, actually. What? When the, Leicester won the thing. Yeah. Pretty much the day I moved in. Was there lots of car horns beeping? Um... Not in Market Harbour. No. They're all too far, far too well behaved in Market Harbour. Very, very, very well behaved. Mm. Very old. But yeah, I moved. I'm all done all that now. But I was cleaning out like my house like a couple of weeks ago, and I found some curious things, which I don't know. Some of them I don't know how they got there. Some of them I sort of know and sort of remember. But I've brought them with me because maybe you can shed some light on it. This is an old feature of Wiki Shuffle. Chris's show and tell. Chris is a big. Bag. We haven't done this in a while. So some of the things make sense that I would have like. Two little giraffes. <laughs> That's only one giraffe. That's one. I've got, no, there's another. <laughs> okay, because you've only shown one. 
that they like. Oh, they're matching giraffes. They like clip on stuff. They're nice. I can see why you'd have one of those. I can't see why you'd have two. I have a wig. <laughs> oh, let me wear the wig. What is it? Um, this is just a black murderer wig. A murderer wig? Yeah, our friend Lauren gave me that for, I think it was for a Halloween thing. Um, and I never gave it back. So, sorry <laughs> okay. Lauren. And the last one is a really curious item. And I don't know whether it's a, a present I got at some point for a birthday. Or something maybe an ex-lady friend of mine brought. Ooh. But I, I, I cannot remember for the life of me why it's here. So, it's some fairy handcuffs. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. And they, they're quite, like, filthy. It's a pair of pink furry handcuffs. I don't know. They're really small. It's like they're for children. They are, oh, you, that's not no, what they're no, for. No, but look oh. how small they are. I don't know where they'd be. They are very small. Oh, God almighty. That's gruesome. Yeah. So, if you are the owner of them, let me know why I've got them. Because <laughs> I don't remember have using you, them. You've never used them. I know. I've just Phil had... is actually putting them on. Phil... I'm... Is there a key? Yeah, I found a key as well. Good no, job. You don't need a key. You can just. Oh, yeah, they're, the, they're, they're, they're self-releasing. They're not going to work. Hang on, leave them on. Leave them on. They want a photograph. Hang on a minute. Let me put them on again. No, it's too late. I've got a very unflattering photograph that I'm going to share with the internet. <laughs> so, if you're the owner of these handcuffs, or you take want a, them returned, take a more flattering picture that we can actually. Put so on it looks the like I'm not the only member of the Wicker Shuffle team that thinks that bondage rocks. <laughs> Apparently not. Oh, putting handcuffs on is a lot harder than to make it look in the films where they can just do it with somebody not even noticing. Mm. I've put them on really tight. Right, <laughs> That's <was>. the idea. <laughs> you can't get them out, can you? Yeah, I can. Oh. That thing sure. that they do sometimes in films when people really want to get out of handcuffs and they just dislocate their thumb, mm. there is no way that that would be enough. No. There is no way that dislocating my thumb would make me be able to get out of these handcuffs. No. Luckily, these ones are, I think, for sexy time, so they have a safety function. What do you think they're for sexy time? I, I, Not I for guess. actually arresting people. Oh, God, should I be touching these? I don't know. Uh, of no. course they're sexy time. Uh, well, yeah, but I don't know that they've been used in... in I, don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. That you don't remember. Your bondage exploits are so wild and <laughs> so extensive my that you can't remember that's, whether or not they're so tame. Used. That is, yeah, they're like the, they're the starter kit, aren't they? Yeah, they're, Throw in a blindfold. Yeah, exactly. So, so compared to what you'd normally get up to, that's exactly the whips and the gags and all sorts. But this Ugh, is level one. But yeah, if you if you own them and you want them back, just let me know. So I, don't, I don't know what to do with them. I'll leave them here for now. So, um, Phil, how do you get in touch with Wick Shuffle if uh, they are indeed your, your fairy handcuffs? I'll put them on my other toys. Well, I'd rather that you just contacted Chris directly on Twitter. I don't think I need to know about you. DM. Chris Wallace, so, one, two, three. On Twitter. Lost and found. If you would like to speak to us all, then it's wikishufflepod on the Twitter, or send us an email, podcast at wikishuffle.co.uk, or visit us on Facebook, just look up Wikishuffle, or send us a postcard to Wikishuffle HQ 1B Headlands Kettering NN157ER. We've got a nice little collection building up now. We have. So thank you but to we everyone. we would like more postcards. Hey, you know how we promised that we'd send the postcard out to the listeners? Oh, yeah. Have we still not done that? Nope. Because that was a, that was Christmas, wasn't it? That yeah. we were promising that? It was our 50th episode we made the promise. Okay, and now, now we're seven, episode I've just made a game. Yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't fulfil our obligations to the people who were promised yeah. the postcard. We actually have it in like in writing that you said you promised you would do the postcards. It says on the website as well that if you send right, us a postcard, we'll Right, right. Well, I've back. made the game now, so that's okay. that done. That's tick. So I'll, put, I'll do this next. 
Next, we're going to get a postcard. Yes. We are going to do we that. Are going, and yeah, okay. So do, so, and we'll send them out in order, so get your postcard in good and early, so you'll get one of the early postcards. Oh, I've got chocolate all over me. How did that happen? It's all over me. Oh, God. It's like that episode of Alan Partridge. <laughs> <laughs> you got too excited at seeing me with the handcuffs on. Oh. He shat himself. <laughs> Oh, it's all over my Leicester shorts. How did I not realise you were wearing shorts? Normally I'm a nude sleeper, but when I'm... Uh, oh, that's too much When detail. I'm abroad or staying at friends or whatever, I'll wear shorts. And just you'll wear to, those For modesty, shorts. but I'll, I was wearing these ones in Copenhagen, and I was strolling around my hostel, and everyone was like, Leicester City, yeah! And I was like, yeah. Do you, uh, do you get nervous that people think you're jumping on a bandwagon? Um, well... I mean, I've only supported them for three weeks, so is that... <laughs> That's not true. No, it's not. Um, I don't really I don't care. Because obviously I've never really been a football fan, but now I kind of consider myself less a supporter. Geographically, they are They're my most local big team, team. And I think it's perfectly legitimate, if you're just getting into football... For them to have captured your imagination and you know, yeah, won, won your heart. It's not like I've fair. switched allegiance or anything. No. There's a lot of tribalism that goes on with football that is pointless and pathetic and childish. I think it's perfectly legitimate in any other medium where you have, you know, maybe if there's a band that suddenly starts making you think, wow, yeah, this is good, when you previously you've thought the entire genre was shit, it's legitimate to, to think of them as your, your first love and your, you know, yeah. you'd be a supporter of them. So it's just the way football's set up and the way sport's set up and the way that men are. Yeah, They're all just a bit pathetic. That is a good takedown of tribalism. I like it. Thank you. Yes. Right. Uh, that's enough, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We'll be back with a special on Friday, and that's it. That's that's all we're say. Finishing the podcast forever. No, no, we've got we've got years of this still to go. Years mm. and years, and years. Okay, oh. and on that somber note, we'll see you again on Friday for the special. In the meantime, have a lovely week. Enjoy the Eurovision semis. Bye. Mm, bye bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.